Welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor. Calming the Chaos provides self-help resources for people in crisis. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. Thanks for tuning in. And now, let the chaos begin. Well, you know, they say that breaking up is hard to do, and it definitely is a very difficult thing. In fact, since the pandemic, I've had more people complaining about people and more people breaking up relationships, that's friendships, family members, romantic partnerships, you name it, people are breaking up. And with us today to make some sense out of breakups and relationships is Ben Ufana. And uh, Ben is in New York City, and uh, he contacted me with some items of chaos and some solutions that he can offer from his training with um, very many uh, indigenous people and uh, places around the world where he studied. Uh, He is an instructor and a healer, and I'm so happy to have him on the show today to explain the chaos of relationships breaking up and how to heal and how to restore your capacity to love again after you have broken up or somebody has broken up with you. Uh, So welcome Ben Ufana to Calming the Chaos podcast. Hi Tracy, happy to join you today. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Uh, It's wonderful to verse with you about your knowledge and the depth of your knowledge. So let's just jump right in and have you talk a little bit about your yourself and how you got to be doing the work that you're doing now, which is instructing, healing, doing all kinds of good stuff in the world. A lot of it goes back to childhood, adolescence, the age of 17, I had taken off on my own. And I landed in a community of predominantly Kiowa Indians in southwestern Oklahoma. And I was going into the peyote meetings. I would sit up all night with the Kiowa elders. And and in the peyote meetings, I met the man uh, who became my mentor, uh, Horace Delkai, who's one of the last surviving traditional doctor is actually the last of the traditional doctors who was extraordinarily powerful. And so he passed on portions of his own healing gifts to me. And it was around the time that I began to work on my own that that the transmission of those healing gifts, as that began to awaken me, Within me, that's when a lot of this trauma to emerge. So it's like pouring hydrogen peroxide into some very deep emotional wounds. And and a big part of our training or the training that I underwent involves going to fast alone in the mountains for four days and nights without food and water. And I had missed a number of years in my 20s, but at the time I turned 31, I was feeling this tremendous pull to return to the Wichita mountains. And and I was thinking at the time that, wow, I go back to the mountains. That's how these extraordinarily gifted native doctors, these medicine men and women develop 
the gifts, the capacities that enable them to facilitate healing of this wide range of physical health challenges, uh, cancer, leukemia, heart disease, stroke, neurological issues. And yes, going through the vision quest, it did facilitate that transformation within me. So I received additional gifts. So for many years, I've been working with people individually, addressing a wide range of health-related issues. But what I didn't know is that by returning to the Wichita Mountains and going on a vision quest, that there are times I would feel this extraordinarily powerful presence come into my body. And there are parts of it that were in many ways like a near-death experience. It had parts of my life flashing rapidly before my eyes. Some of these traumatic memories, experiences, all the vivid sensory impressions, it was all coming back, all the emotions attached to it, so I'd be reliving it at times on the mountain. And, but I could feel like I was, thoroughly digesting those events, all those highly charged emotions. And, and so in doing so, it was facilitating this profound transformation and building this whole new foundation. And so over the years, it's the fact that, you know, I was told by my mentor, he said, he says to me at one point, he's not very, all that talkative or verbose, but he says at one point, you're gonna really scrape bottom so that you understand it's the only way you're gonna understand the suffering of the people you're working with. Yeah. And so in many ways, I, I went plunged to the depths of hell with this traumas, the emotional wounding that was being enacted in relationships. And then over time, just discovering the ways and means through which heal these incredibly devastating emotional wounds, these patterns that play out in our romantic inter intimate relationships. So I've been exploring all this time the various practices and the therapeutic interventions that will facilitate the healing of other individuals who are dealing with these same kinds of issues, anything from patterns of abandonment, rejection, unrequited love, these tendencies to attract these very abusive and highly dysfunctional partners, as well as facilitating the healing of those who are in the midst of a breakup or divorce or who have experienced you know, the death of a loved one. I love that introduction because what you described is a seeking and also finding solutions uh, coming from I think you said, was it an anxious attachment style or? Right. Yeah, then there's your backdrop, right? And then you go out into the world and then what do you attract? The same kind of thing, right? And that's what we call trauma bonding sometimes. And uh, whatever it ends up being, we need to pay attention, I think, more to who we are and how we present ourselves out in the world. And then what we attract is going to be just that, right? I know that's oversimplified version of what you said, but this is what I try and tell my clients all the time is we can't control what other people do uh, to us or to themselves, but what we can control is our reactions to what they do and also our opinions and actions toward ourselves. So um, great. And I love the, that you bring a spiritual perspective here too, because when you think about spirituality, you're never alone. 
you always have that spiritual connection. And that is so important when you're going through a breakup, I think, anyway. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Definitely. There's the, the, the spiritual connection, but the other thing too is that it's, it's through our emotions. It's the emotions that are the doorway to access this deeper core being and the higher power. And where so many people get into trouble is the disconnect where people have, to varying degrees, we dissociate from our feelings, our physical bodies, this cultural mindset, it's passed on in our families, among our friends, our communities that don't go there. Uh, distract yourself, self-medicate, all these things. So there are many ways we distract or we numb ourselves to our emotions. And what they say, you cannot heal it if you can't feel it. What we're talking about today is loss. Mm -hmm. And loss is really super difficult to, to, to deal with because it involves so much pain. Something was there and it's not there anymore. And how are we going to pick up the pieces of our lives and move through those emotions uh, and that chaos of the emotions that we experience and, and be able to live a good life, uh, be optimistic and hopeful that other things will come our way and that other things will fill in the gaps of what's missing. I like to think about it in terms of cats. I have uh, have had very many cats over the years, and when one goes away, others draw closer. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way it works. It's always worked that way. Maybe a cat I wasn't as close to because the dominant cat has gone away, the one who's hogging up all my attention, and then these other ones move forward. So being open to the motion of what people uh, can maybe uh, give to you, maybe a neighbor or a friend in terms of friendship or connection, um, is also really super um, helpful when you're moving through these really painful emotions. You mentioned a few things here. I'm not sure who said it, but where the quote came from, but it goes, you are the only one that you will never lose or leave. Okay, certain people come into our lives and say the relationship doesn't work out quite as well as we'd want, want it to, and there's friction, there are things about the relationship that can cause us a great deal of hurt. We're just not on the right wavelength where a lot of things are not working. And the more that we can be truly present to what is happening. And one of the practices I teach people is that acknowledge what's happening. What do you feel in response to it? Like, what are your authentic emotional responses? in that moment. Where are those feelings situated in your body? Drop into the depth of what you're feeling, both feelings and physical sensations, and breathe very softly and deeply. And the more that you can digest your authentic emotional responses and also make use of the most effective, combine the most effective therapeutic interventions. So you use what's happening in your relationship as a reflection of where you're at. Yeah. Well, so how do we get into these relationships in the first place? When we experience 
when we have these deeply wounding experiences, say starting from childhood and adolescence, and the fact that as children, we didn't have the resources or the means which would enable us to cope effectively. And especially as a young child, even adolescent, we're, be, we're highly sensitive. And, and so a lot of this becomes internalized. And so on one hand, we have our conscious waking awareness and we're doing our best to make sense of the world we're living in, but we have these deeper subconscious parts of ourselves, the parts that we're not so aware of for much of our, the time until we're triggered emotionally, then it makes its way into conscious awareness that reside deep within the body, deep within the subconscious. And, and so this repetition compulsion, we find ourselves drawn to certain individuals with these patterns or tendencies. And, and, and also we're magnetic. We tend to draw those individuals to us. Sometimes I think there's also a certain randomness too, that much of the population tends to have these kind of, they themselves are enacting these patterns. And so just, it's it's commonplace. I think, what's that I think about 15% of the population, I'm not certain on that, but, but what I've heard statistically falls into that category category of cluster B personality disorders like narcissism and borderline and that. Histrionic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's pretty commonplace. There's also the fact that the people with more secure attachment styles tend to partner up sooner and a bit more easily and they stay in relationships for much longer. And so when you get out to the dating pool, you, you actually find a lot more of these kind of avoidant attachment style kinds of individuals and you have the opposite in the more insecure. And so there's a way we kind of find each other. And, and if you're anxious and you're insecure and you see someone out there and that person has that avoidant attachment style, there's the, the allure we, that, that sense of like uh, wanting what we can't have. And, you know, there's that excitement and the intermittent variable rewards. It's the same premise that slot machines work on where there's this like little rewards and, and that it feeds that addictive mechanism through which we form these really unhealthy attachments. Now, there's also, I have, worked with many people who maybe they grew up with parents who and in a family where they were very much loved and nurtured, supported, cared for. Parents were very attentive and yet at that that vulnerable age, as we are coming of age, we can easily form an attachment being very naive to somebody with, uh, say, strong narcissistic tendencies. And, mm-hmm. and some of those individuals we form attachments to can be extraordinarily damaging, wounding, and they, they in, in, can inflict some very devastating wounds. And so 
and not knowing how to cope and and we're carrying these wounds. And again, the fact that we tend to suppress our emotions and lacking the resources with which to heal. Often, once we experience that kind of woundedness, we tend to reenact these patterns with subsequent partners. So it, it, it becomes a very destructive spiral for many people. And so it, it takes a tremendous commitment, dedication, consistent effort through practices, well, gaining the intellectual understanding and then through various practices and therapeutic interventions, the combination thereof where we heal and we transform these wounds mm -hmm. to evolve, work herself up out of those patterns into a much healthier place where we can attract healthier companions and experience the truly loving connections. Well, I've heard the term yellow flags used recently socially, I believe, uh, in terms of true crime. And if we could have noticed something a little earlier, it's not a typical red flag, which is warning. It's really obvious now. But in terms of yellow flags, is there are there any yellow flags that we should be looking at if we are out there looking for relationships in the first place? I guess maybe let's go from it a prevention aspect of it, uh, choosing the right relationships, and then we can move forward to, well, what if the relationship doesn't work out? But for now, is there any yellow flags that we may uh, be looking at or thinking about in your opinion and experience, Ben? I know because of my own background, there's a lot of numbing or desensitization. And I, I think that's the case with and not just think, I, I recognize it all the time. I, I see there's a lot of numbing among much of the population, just the fact that we haven't learned to work effectively with our emotional responses. And, and the more numb, dissociated, disconnected we are, it's, it's harder for us to recognize these signals because we're further up mm -hmm. in our head and we have these idealizations of what we think we want what we think makes a good partner, the type of individual we think we should be with, their society or our guy or girlfriends or movies or whatever told us we should be with and or what the conventional standards of beauty or attractiveness or success or whatever. As I do my own practice, I work a lot with day by day, any situation, any it could be a conversation with someone, it could be an interaction that I, I have or a concern or a worry or whatever. I just, whatever's happening, I just, as I sit still, close my eyes, I just drop down into my body and I just begin to breathe and to, and, and see what comes up in my awareness, whatever concern, whatever issue and all the feelings, all the bodily sensations and, and as I do that, it increases my body awareness. It's, it's more and more this greater increased self-awareness, sensitivity. And so as I interact with people, I've become much more feeling, much more empathetic. And I, I feel the level of connectedness the, or lack thereof. I feel when there's rapport. 
I feel the person's intellectual range, their belief systems. And a lot of times people have these constructs in the sense that they live by and, and that could create formidable barriers to intimacy. I could feel their emotional wounding. I could feel the depth of bonding you know, the, the depth of the connection, the flow between me and this individual. I could feel a lack of compatibility. But as I go out and as I interact with people, and, and this is something a lot of people are not very familiar with, but I, I, as I interact, I feel in my body, I feel the connection with people. And, and part of that too came about because Living among Native Americans, there is, in some of the communities I live, there is heavy drinking, uh, alcoholism, and sometimes violence, alcohol-related violence. So it was part of that start as a matter of survival, but also being in India, being in Sri Lanka, and being alone, and being out in remote areas, just traveling on my own. So I always had to sense into each individual I encountered, who is this person? What are they about? What are their intentions? Is this a person who could be a potential threat? Is this someone that is is genuine and is open-hearted and kind, someone I could trust and be safe with? Because in many instances, as I would travel with this and and I spent a lot of time. I actually stayed in the former war zone in northern Sri Lanka a great deal of time. And 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 I made all these connections. People I got to know would take me into their homes. They would feed me. They would I would stay and live with them for periods of time. And this is the basis from which I formed relationships. And so I feel this is a a crucial skill that many of us can and, and very much need to develop. And as we do so, that's going to make it much easier to recognize the yellow and especially the red flags. Because when I go back into my 20s and you know, even for some time afterwards, there was there were so many times that there were these glaringly obvious signs of like, it's not a good match. The person can be um, potentially inflict harm emotionally, but I was so numb, so dissociated, carried all this emotional wounding, and I was operating from this place of my projections, This, which many of us that are have a more start out with a more anxious attachment style, we're more dissociated and we live in the realm of fantasy more. And so I was so blinded by my projections and the emotional wounding that I held that I could not accurately see the individuals with whom I was interacting. And the more that as I've taken the steps to heal and continue to evolve, it's like my vision opens, my healing senses open. and. And so you just feel it in your body, as I've described. Hmm. Well, so I guess part of it is not numbing from the feelings that you're feeling. And that's a practice in and of itself. Yeah, and being smart. more aware of then that is going to help you to put your antennae up and be able to detect these uh 
possible yellow flags, red flags are more obvious, but if you are more self-aware and if you are not numbing yourself to a bunch of feelings and being able to pay attention to what's going on, then so the responsibility again is with you, not like we have to memorize all these yellow flags, but what does your body tell you when you're in that person's energy? What is, what are you, if you're absolutely not numbing yourself, what are you actually feeling uh, when this person's around you or when you're around this person? Uh, is is again putting the responsibility back on you, I guess, right? Yeah, and let me give an analogy here. And I, I, I wanna start out by saying that no one is inherently, what's the word, uh, irrevocably broken. Um, but I will say that many of us, in a sense, we start out as if we got an antenna that's, the antenna itself is a bit damaged. It's corroded, you know, it's rusted. Uh, maybe we have this if someone spilled a Coca-Cola or a soft drink over their computer <laughs> and you know, your laptop and who knows, maybe you draw it out, maybe it still sort of works or something, but, but even when there is that corrosion or the, the damage, which sometimes, because I, over the years, I developed a sensitivity to where I look into people's bodies and minds. I look, I feel. And so the people will be standing in front of me and I hold my hand in front of the body and I'm scanning and I, I feel the extent of the emotional wounding, the trauma, and I have internal pictures of what I'm feeling at the same time. So there's the physical sensation, there's the imagery. And and I recognize too, I carry these profoundly deep traumatic wounds. And it, and with that, there are these, these deficits where we lack certain capacities or resources and, and, and then it's all muddied with the background or the backlog of all these highly charged emotions that consume us and take over us and distort our perceptions. And so for me, and like a lot of people, it's, it could be a deep hole to dig ourselves out of. It requires the work and commitment, the dedication. But as we take the steps, continually putting one foot in front of the other, doing the intensive daily practice, which I've also trained with a master from China in the internal martial arts, Xing Yi Quan, Baguazang, Tai Chi, Qigong. And you have these individuals that start as children and just year after year, day after day of intensive practice, develop extraordinarily, extraordinary capabilities. And so when we commit ourselves in these ways, with this consistent daily practice, we evolve. And so there's the healing and transformation of those parts of us that are deeply traumatized. And, and, and with that, this refinement, we develop these capacities like I'm describing. Sometimes like I need to understand and, and stay in touch with where the overall population base is in terms of their own emotional wounding, because I want to stay in touch where I can be able to relate to people where they are. And I, I listen to people's accounts and sometimes it's a flashback to where I was 
10, 15, especially 20 or more years ago. And, and a lot of what I hear sometimes if I listen to podcasts that talk about relationships and dating issues, for instance, and I, I hear a lot of people that are so much in their heads and they're trying to figure it out intellectually. But again, there's the deficits, there's the emotional wounding. And, and so it's, it's a limited set of resources when people are just working from that intellectual standpoint alone. We need our intellect. But again, when we incorporate from these traditions, like what I've gained through training with this master from China, with the traditional Native American doctor, these other healing practices and interventions that brings us to a whole new level through which we can, as we heal and transform ourselves, we can relate in much healthier ways mm. and cultivate, co-create, again, the more meaningful and deeply fulfilling relationships. I do have clients who say that their antenna is too strong, that they pick up on everything. And so I was mm -hmm. thinking as you were talking that maybe that's why people numb themselves in the first place is because they are, what do they call, extrasensory people or super sensors or super feelers. And uh, so they, they do try and numb their feelings because they were just so powerfully intense. Their antenna is that strong. And then there are others who have that rusted kind of damaged antenna who are not really aware, but just kind of plodding through life, uh, doing what they do uh, without a regard for other people and how they're uh, affecting other people. So uh, so there's those kind of things that just sort of came up for me when you were talking about that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a little challenging for me having the sensitivity, like if I'm having to be on airplanes and you're jam up right next to you know, they move the aisles closer together and they shrink the size of the seats down a bit more. And so you're compressed there and you, you feel everyone around you. So I've <laughs> come up with these strategies where I find a way to get extra space, which uh, create that, um, that, that buffer of space around me. Mm -hmm. And, but there are, there are practices, for instance, like doing walking meditation that, I, I find has helped me to to manage that that sensitivity more. Initially, I was very numb, but as I went through the practices, as I worked with the practices, the sensitivity increased. And as I was training with this master from China, and I was describing what was happening, and he, he said, "Yeah, that's a good thing because you know before you were more numb to it." Um, the qi, doing the qigong practice also greatly increased my sensitivity. And he's saying, what's happening now is that your body and mind is just alerting you that there are certain people that because of, you know, the garbage diets, because of the heavy alcohol and other recreational drug uh, consumption or use, uh, psychotropic meds, um, all these things, uh, huge dysfunction. It's just, there's a toxicity that comes with that. And if you're jammed up next to people, if you're interacting with people deeply involved with them, then 
you cannot help but absorb that. So he was saying this is a protective mechanism that's making you more aware so that you can separate yourself from those individuals. Because we're all affected if we if we're in relationships with people who are very unhealthy, it it can further drag us down. And and a lot of these individuals who attain mastery in these traditions, they're they're very mindful about the those whom they allow into their lives. Mm-hmm. Because there's a way in which unhealthy or toxic people can pull you down in a sense, but when you're when you spend your time with people who are growing and evolving, you bring yourselves up. Right, right. It's it is all about, and so that's on the preventative. Uh, that's on the preventative end, right there. That you just explained is that be aware, don't numb, uh, look at people uh, through that antenna, and uh, be be very protective, I guess, uh, of your energy field and what you allow in, what you choose to allow in, and uh, have a have a filter about it. I always tell my clients that it's better to be a super sensor than to not have a sensor because then you can always learn to filter out. But if you don't have it, it's really hard to grow in the first place. So that's just a little plug for my empaths out there. Anybody who is a super feeler or a super sensor, don't worry. It does hurt sometimes, but it's much better to have super feelings than than to be completely numb to them. Well, I do want to ask you about some things that I've noticed in relationships. And, you know, there's just so many. I thought I would just have my little uh, Dungeons and Dragons bowl full of little things. I'm just going to draw one of these cards out here. Let's sure. see if it'll work. This little game of mine. Isn't this fun? Oh, well, this doesn't really work with friendship. It could work with friendships, but it's money and loss of finances. Uh, so I have a situation that I know for sure that came up between friends where a friend loaned a friend another, you know, some some money, a, a pretty substantial amount of money. And uh, then when it came time to pay that other friend back, the one friend didn't do it. And of course, the friendship went through conflict and it was about the it was about money but i think more about the deeper concept of keeping your promises and if you had promised to pay me back then and and didn't do it then it would be sort of an honesty issue uh but yeah i guess what can you say about money money's a big topic it's kind of an emotionally laden topic but between friends they i think i heard somebody say don't ever loan a friend money <laughs> I don't know if you think that's true, but what do you think about that situation where a person's just like, you know what? I loaned money to my friend. I thought they were going to pay me back. They never paid me back. And now I don't know what to do. There is a way in which loaning money, we're making ourselves a bit vulnerable. And and so if, if we're considering loaning money to, to someone, I think it's important to take into consideration a number of things. One, can you really afford it? And if that money wasn't returned, how is that going to impact you? And how hard do you work for the money that you earn? Because if you work extraordinarily hard for what you get, and then someone takes, you know, you loan someone money and they don't repay you, then that's going to 
because of your level of investment, what it took for you to earn that money, it's gonna, it's gonna impact you harder. Mm -hmm. And, and if you do make the, if you do choose to go ahead and loan the money, if you can do so from the standpoint of like, okay, I'm going to loan this money, but I'm not going to expect it back. I'm not going to expect it in return. Mm -hmm. That you go into it saying that there's a very good likelihood that it's not going to come back. And if you can do it from that standpoint, but I would say be careful because, you know, it does elicit, can elicit feelings of being taken advantage of and being used mm -hmm. and a betrayal of sorts. Right. Yeah. It, it, and I, in fact, was uh, uh, watching an episode of catfishing and that's really big on the internet as far as people who start these internet friendships and they've never really seen a person, never video chatted with them uh, or uh, audio chatted with them, but they just see pictures and then they give them just extraordinary amounts of money. I like the way you frame it is that can I loan this money with the expectation of it not coming back to me. And I think if a people had asked themselves that question, they may not have loaned it out in the first place, or maybe they would have, but then if they had that expectation that it's not gonna come back, then they would have maybe uh, been able to cope with it better when it didn't come back, because we've already expected that. And if it does come back, then that's a bonus, right? Mm -hmm. Well, let's move down to romantic partners and let's choose another one here and see uh, if we can figure out another question to ask you. So romantic partners, some, so people who are not married but are in a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh yes, the classic bait and switch. So the, the classic bait and switch being, I'm in a relationship with somebody, I think they're just the most awesome person, we're having the most wonderful time. And then all of a sudden, seemingly on a dime, this person, ghosts me or stops communicating with me or even becomes uh, not just neglectful but possibly abusive putting barbs into our conversations and criticizing me it's like where is the person that i was initially attracted to and so what do you have to say about the bait and switch and the the changes that can come in romantic uh, relationships when you're not even married yet so people are hugely complex beings. And yet, like I said, we're relating to these, this part of the individual that we think we've gotten to know, but it's only a very limited aspect of who that person is. And so oftentimes people are tremendously and this is a very important word here, incongruent. They represent themselves to be something, but that's, again, that's only a small part of who they are. So maybe initially, and you see this often when we first get together, there's all the warm, glowy feelings. And in some instances, we feel we found our soulmate. It's like we have this amazing connection with that individual. And yet, because they don't work with their emotions and they're not taking the steps to to heal the deeply wounded parts of themselves and to heal, transform, integrate these parts of themselves, to become more whole, to become more congruent. Then the person who was so loving 
to us, then now we're, now they're being abusive, saying and doing horribly hurtful things. Um, they were present to us. They were love bombing us. Now they're vanishing. They're, they pulled away from us. And when we're feeling anxious and secure, which is a normal response, and we're wanting to hold on to what we thought was this wonderful connection, and, and they put up even more walls to us. And 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 then they're making it about us. It's it's your fault and all this kind of stuff. And and then they ghost us. Mm -hmm. and, and they go and they hook up with someone else and and, and it's like torture and and that's what happens when again the like I said you're relating to that small portion of the this the individual we think we know and their emotional wounding, the trauma, disconnect emotionally, the mental illness. Oh, then you throw in all the substances that they may be using <laughs> and, and all kinds of other factors that, that go in that all the time people spend on social media, the smartphones, the internet, the incredibly short attention spans and their brain biochemistry and neurotransmitters are out of whack. <laughs> Just it, it can be pretty messy. And so again, that's a big part of the reason why I was talking about as we go, as we take the steps to heal, it's so important. We put the emphasis on ourselves and we attract people like that will come into our path and it's going to trigger us. We use that. It's like, what is it reflecting within us and what emotions is it bringing up as we take steps to work with our emotions to heal and make use of these interventions. We see more clearly what's happening. Um, we see that individual more clearly for who they are. We mm -hmm. see more clearly ourselves in the relational dynamic, and we use it to heal and grow and evolve beyond people operating at those highly dysfunctional levels. And as we use it to heal and transform ourselves, we naturally what I found that has happened, I look into individuals and I see those dynamics within them and it doesn't feel very comfortable. You see people operating at those really dysfunctional levels and sometimes there's more of a repulsion, you know, like the, where you have the, the it's like a force that pushes you and that individual apart because you're no longer compatible with them and you you evolve. You may not have quite as many people as you could connect with, but you evolve to healthier individuals. And so the connections you do establish are healthier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the, the magnetic attraction from the persona, like when you were describing the persona is the front stage uh, what you want the people, the world to see, and then the shadows are tucked away the, in the back. All of the emotional responses to trauma, and all the ways that we can, um, our defenses, all the subconscious stuff, is tucked away in the shadows. So maybe it, it it has to go without saying, I guess, or with saying. 
I wonder if it is more of us to be aware of our own persona and our own shadows and then look for signs of the shadow within the other person and uh, or feel it like like feeling something isn't congruent or disingenuous is another word that I've uh, that I've uh, heard said about people like does this feel authentic does this feel disingenuous uh, what does this feel like for me to be around that this person and is this the persona or is this a sign of a shadow in there and shadows are great i love working with shadows and you know be aware that that might be something that is uh going to come out later on in the whole bait and switch well, so then uh, this covers the, the next two that I have on my list. Um, if you're married, but you went through a divorce, I know that's a, a specific area we talked about um, discussing on the show as far as if you're married and going through a painful uh, divorce, is there any words of wisdom that you have for people or just kind of the same message that you just be more aware of your own uh, your own energy or being uh being, uh, I guess, fearless with uh, with doing your own emotional trauma work, uh, going to somebody like you, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the services that you offer. But what would you say for, to somebody who is going through a painful divorce or a breakup? As painful, as difficult as it is, embrace the experience. Embrace what's happening. How do you do that? And even... One, starting out by, by saying to yourself, this is the lesson I have to learn. This is where I am for the moment and the lesson I have to learn. And, it's, and then next, how can I work constructively with what is happening to heal and transform myself? Now is messy, is nasty, is convoluted and and dramatic as it's as it plays out, just embrace it and you know again start by acknowledging what's happening, but then doing the deep level emotional processing, you know, the practice that I described. One practice, one version, you can take that individual, your your former or soon to be former spouse or partner, say if you're living with the person and not married, but you take them, you picture them, bring them into the forefront of your awareness, you see them, you feel their presence. You could even uh, call into your awareness specific incidents between you and that individual and notice how you feel in your body the feelings, the physical sensations, drop as deeply as you can into what you feel, wherever the feelings are situated in your body, breathe softly and deeply, follow those feelings and sensations. And as you do so, that helps you to digest. It in, engages more of your deeper subconscious mind, a much deeper level of processing but also make use of the most effective therapeutic interventions. Some of us will need to start with a, a skilled, gifted psychotherapist. Other interventions like deep tissue body work will help us to access more of the emotions trapped in the body, those sensory deprivation flotation tanks where we're suspended in salt baths and darkness helps us to brings out a lot of the emotions trapped in our bodies Working with gifted healers such as myself can go and 
take a lot of these tremendously painful experiences and all those highly charged emotions that revolve around it and it's transforming, transmuting it. You're digesting all that experience, all the emotions. As you come out the other side, you evolve into a healthier place where you could attract the healthier individuals into your life and form these more meaningful connections. And hey, if you're hardcore like me, you could even go on a vision quest. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know we're going to probably hear a little bit more about that. So I think you could probably apply that process to the other areas that I have on my list, which is if you're widowed, you you, you have a beloved partner that you lose that due to death, or if you're single and you don't want to be, and you, again, you, you experience a certain amount of emotional pain, you right. understand that this is the lesson for now, and then you go and do some transformative work by leaning into the emotional experience that you're having, although it's painful, and uh, go to a psychotherapist or go to a healer like Ben and, mm-hmm. uh, and start to do some inner healing work. And I know it can be kind of scary and painful, but uh, very much worth it. Uh, I know we did a lot of that stuff when I was training to be a hypnotherapist because we were working with the subconscious mind and our own healing. And yet there's still work to do. There's still work to do. Show up, pay attention, participate. Well, let's just go ahead and put your website up here. This is Ben's uh, website, just his name, benufana.com. And we are actually going to um, go on a trip to his website real quick and see if we can um, share the screen here. All right. So can you see that okay? Yes. Uh All right. So there you are. There's your front page of your uh, your website here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the products and services that you offer? I'm not sure if you have a book or if you have classes, but just go ahead and let us know what you're doing out there. Mainly, I just work individually at this point. I can work remotely over the phone. If at all possible, I encourage people to work with me in person because the in-person sessions, again, I'm trained by a uh, a traditional Native American doctor, an actual medicine man. So I I work as a conduit, allowing this extraordinarily powerful presence to work through me, where I start teaching you the meditations that activate the innate healing intelligence residing within your body and mind, and you learn to chew up and digest your life experiences and your subsequent emotional responses, facilitating this greater integration. When I work individually and especially in person, it's this extraordinarily powerful presence comes through that transforms these profoundly deep traumatic wounds, these attachment wounds, and and builds this whole new foundation from which people can relate on much, much healthier levels. Now, I do have a book, um, and yet I, I would actually say my writing has developed a lot over the years. So you can go to my blog and there's a ton of free articles that you can dive into articles and videos. And so, and sometimes on the videos, it's hard to remember everything that I would love to include in the video. So if you read the articles as well, you can gain a lot of depth and insight. And and then there's a, a free ebook that you can gain access, you could get your hands on, you could download. Mm-hmm. And that's at, um, that's at 
like getting um, the essentials of getting over your breakup and moving on, which is what this podcast is about, right? <clears throat> yeah, the, the URL is just gettingoveryourbreakup.com. And, and there's also a newly uh, published article that I just posted. And on, on my website, I write articles and, and then I... I oh, yeah, here it is. The Breaking Up and Bouncing Back Unconventional Strategies for Rapid Healing, just on November 21st, which was uh, yeah. five days, six days ago. Yeah, so I just published that. And so I wanted to go through, like, the fact that I had suffered terribly. And in the beginning, I was just flailing blindly and didn't know what to do. And and so for, God, how many years is it now? Like, um, I began my training with this traditional Native American doctor when I was 20. And um, I have to say that's actually about mm, 39 years ago. <laughs> I'm older than I look. And and then I started practicing and, and all that. It was around the time that a lot of that trauma was surfacing. So that was 35 years ago. I began to began to explore the different interventions and develop this whole range of practices. And so, and having gone through that, having found my way through this wounding and building this foundation, the healing, the transformation that enabled me to to form much healthier or meaningful, deeply fulfilling connections. I know what it's like to suffer and to, to, to flail and everything. So I just really wanted to put together an article that like, oh, here's a roadmap. Here's mm -hmm. how to make your way through this, this wounding and get to a place you build the foundation where you too can open your heart, increase your capacity to love and be loved and, and to attract a companion within your life. And, and even more than just a companion, just friends and deepen your connections with family members. If you're in a relationship, deepen the connection, that existing connection that you already have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you mentioned that you have a free 30-minute consultation that you do, and I think this is a good way to get in touch with Ben, uh, either call or put your name on this contact tab of his website and go on there, and I think that's, um, that's a good way to get in touch with him. There's also social media. There's a Facebook page that Ben has, and then uh, Ben is also on LinkedIn, and that is at Ben-Ufana8. That's the only one that's different. Anything, everything else is at Ben Ufana. And you even have a YouTube channel. I do. Yeah. So that's fantastic. So uh, I do uh, appreciate you you being here today on Calming the Chaos. Is there any parting words you'd like to give uh, people who are actually going through emotional pain uh, of any kind at this point in time? It's certainly been a delight having you here today. Yeah, I've, I've very much enjoyed our engagement here. I think I've covered pretty much all of the, the key points. It, you know, again, like here I've trained with this master from China for 
17 years. I'm on a little hiatus with that training. I train on my own. I train with this traditional Native American doctor a number of years. And over the years, I have gone through dozens of vision quests. Um, I'm not saying this to impress anyone. I, I don't care about impressing anyone. I'm, I'm in this, this is my path of evolution, but what is it? And as of October, that was my 61st vision quest, the best oh alone in the mountains without the food and water for four days and nights. The reason I'm mentioning this is that those of us, you know, in, in these traditional paths, those who attain mastery, there's this dedication or commitment to healing and evolving oneself. And so one doesn't just go through a few sessions and think, okay, I'm magically transformed. It's a path of evolution. So if you're dealing with this profound emotional wounding, if th the more you can just embrace it and say, this is my lesson, you know, the losses, this is what I need to use as my path of healing. And you utilize these, the practices, the interventions, you know, make them your tools and resources, and you use it through this continual means of healing, evolving, transforming yourselves. You know, those who attain mastery, like in the internal martial arts, these, they're rooted in, in these ancient Taoist systems, and they begin as children even. Even if whatever age you're starting, just make it your path, and you just continually utilize these tools you do in practice, every day you're incorporating these interventions and you continually are taking the next step and the next step and the next step. And you, you attain higher and higher levels of, of your own evolution. And, and it's so crucial because we're living in a world where there's so much wounding and it's manifested in, in the wars and the abuses that are perpetrated, especially of children and, and other forms of violence and crazy dysfunction. And the more that we take the steps to heal and evolve ourselves, truly facing the issues head on, going to those places where we feel vulnerable and we work constructively to heal and transform these deeply wounded parts of ourselves, then what happens is we are doing our part to offset to, to bring society and, and affect all those around us. As we evolve, we help other people around us in the world to evolve. So, mm -hmm. so I'll leave the, um, the, I would leave that as my parting message. Nice, yeah, exactly. Everybody's uh, hurting out there in some way, shape or form. Might as well get used to it and um, do the best you can with what you have your own self and make the world a better place. Uh, ben, thank you so much for being on Calming the Chaos podcast uh, today. And I uh, wish you well in whatever uh, comes your way. Yeah, thank you for this opportunity to share. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to Calming the Chaos podcast. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, please like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. You can also go to www.calmingthechaospodcast.com to listen to all Calming the Chaos podcast episodes. 
I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care. Well, the moon or something like that.